Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV. You can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the last episode of 2020. We're so glad to see 2020 behind us. And uh, 391 is what we're up to. My name is Alfredo Fumasas, as always, coming to you live. Well, not live. Live as we record this. Uh, but it's not really live. Um, every Tuesday. With me, Cristiano Oliveira. What's going on, my friend? Alfredo. What's going on, Alfredo? How you guys doing today? Wonderful. Yeah, I'm cheery today. I'm happy. I'm happy to be talking to you guys. I don't know if it's because it's the last one of 2020, but whatever. Regardless, I'm excited to be talking about our beloved Benfica. I'm ready to go, man. I'm rocking and rolling. Benfica's on a roll. Woo! Ready to talk about this, baby. Also with us, Dave, the stats, man. Dave, there's only one team in Liga Nosh with only one win. Do you know who that team is and who they won against? Ooh. I know, I know, I know. Can I cheat? Let's, can I call a friend? Call I'm going to uh, call Mr. Oliveira below I, me here. Fine. Let me see. Dave, let's go to show you I like you because I can leave you hanging here. I can give you, like, you know, some BS team. But Alfredo, it, it, it's Boa Vista. All right. And what's the what's the other one? <laughs> and who Boa do they beat? Boa Vista's got one win in the last year. I think in the year 2020, you got one win. And it's because it's Benfica. Is that what you're referring to? Maybe it's another one, Dave. I'm, I might have let you down, but now ding, ding, ding. you win the prize, Cristiano. Okay. So that was it. So I was right. That was it? Oh. Which team only has one win so far in the Liga Nos, and who do they win against? I think it's the only one they have in the calendar year of 2020. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the one. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, that three-zero. Listen, that win wasn't just the win. At least they did it in style. Aquilo foi yo. And there was no fans. There was no fans. Imagine if there was fans, then you'd have to to give it that that good look. What's what's the word that JJ uses? 
what's the word Alfredo? because there's no fans so there's no need to, to you know art or what is it, artistic Boys, uh, 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 no, not artistica. Boys, there was no fans. They beat us three zero. Imagine if there was fans. Then they would need to throw in the not artistica. That then you know my, things might have gotten ugly for Benfica. But thank goodness, thank goodness. Anyway, on tonight's podcast, we'll look back at the Super Cup uh, game versus Porto, which happened uh, almost a week ago. It's been such a long time, and I'm I'm kind of repressing that memory, if you will. Uh, we'll also look uh, look back at uh, Benfica's game against uh, Portimonense, last uh, place Portimonense that took place today as we record this. Uh, and we'll look ahead to uh, Santa Clara, which is the Benfica's game that comes over or that comes up uh, this, uh, this weekend. Um, do we need to talk about this Porto game? Now let's talk. Let's talk about it. Alfredo, you know what the good thing about hosting your own podcast? I could do whatever I want. You dictate what we <laughs> talk about, baby. You know, if we want to talk about that as just one of those long, distant memories, we could. Did that game even happen? I don't recall. It's for some dumb cup. Who cares? But no, we should talk about it. I know. I'm no, yeah, and I think in a way it it almost serves as uh, as uh, group therapy. Uh, right, so let's um, let's get right into that Porto game. Uh, Befica lined up with Lacodimus in goals, Gilberto, Otamendi, Vertonghen, and Grimaldo. Uh, Julian Weigel and Tarapt in the middle, Rafa on one side, Everton on the other, Walshmidt behind Darwin. Uh, and uh, as you know, we found out that Pizzi uh, tested positive so he couldn't play this game. Um, but here's here's the thing, and I'll ask you guys, and and I'll give my my own opinion also. Heading into this game, I wasn't I wasn't very hopeful, or excited, or even confident about this game. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll go. With, how were you feeling heading into this game? Did you think that uh, for for some miracle, and because it was so close to Christmas, that Omanin uh, Jesus was gonna operate some kind of a a miracle? Well, look, Alfredo, I was going into this game, I guess, for lack of a better word, open-minded. I knew every little thing or any little thing could have been possible, and I was hoping that the positive would have been possible. Uh, but unfortunately, it was not to be. Uh, we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing this this performance from Arbin Fico over the last couple of, uh, of years now. Uh, but just to be brutally honest, I, I, I was hoping to get a much better result. It wasn't just the defeat. It was more so the way that we performed, the way we showed up, uh, or, or, or should I say we didn't show up. Uh, and I think that was the most demoralizing part because we all thought, and especially me here on this podcast, once we brought JJ back, there would, it, 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 it would show its difference in big games like this and moments like this. And, and it was just one of those dull, dull performances from Benfica that we all hoped were gone once, once JJ joined the club. Dave, surprised at all that uh, out of the 11 players that uh, that JJ fielded and the ones that came in afterwards, that uh, the guy that was a former player is the guy that had the best game. Very that surprised. Showed some, that showed some balls and some fire. Yes. Yeah, he was the only one. You got it. You know what? We've been, uh, at least I've been a little bit critical of Otamendi this season so far, but you know what? He was one of the few, if not the only player that showed some gara and uh, that actually brought the game to uh, to Porto, but he was only one of uh, of 11 and overall just a very disappointing uh, performance by this club. And it's not by any stretch that Porto played well themselves. Just we, 
we're flat footed and we just, I don't even know what type of Benfica had to describe what we saw uh, against the Supertasa or in the Supertasa. And like you said, this is a, a free therapy session for all of us rather than having to spend a couple of hundred dollars. So thank you very much, uh, Alfredo. Yeah. As you guys know, I turned over a new leaf a couple of podcasts ago. I was going to try to be positive, Cristiano. And if there is a positive to take from that game is the fact that I think we have finally put to bed, okay, the BS regarding Otamendi, regarding whether, you know, if he was going to play and perform with the Benfica shirt on, if he was just here to sabotage. And I think he answered and he shut up his critics with that performance because he was D1 bright, uh, I guess, spot. Right. And that Benfica lineup, he's the one guy that came to play. Uh, and I was glad to see that he showed that he was a professional above any above everything else. And uh, I think right now we can actually put that myth to rest and, and just move on with the guy wearing the captain's armband. And, and it's unfortunate that the rest of the lineup and the rest of his teammates weren't able to follow his lead because just like Dave mentioned, Benfica were atrocious, but we didn't get to see a spectacular football with the Porto by any stretch of the imagination as well. I think the difference, and, and I think I've, I've, I've voiced this off the, off, off the air, whatever, every time I, I, I conversate about Benfica regarding Porto, comparing the two squads, I think Benfica 1 through 25 is, is a lot better. I just think the difference is they mirror their coach. Right. We go back to last year when we go back to even when Lodge was there, they mirrored the, the, their coach. Their coach is a pit bull. And these guys come in and they play with their hearts on their sleeve. We know they despise Benfica. They absolutely hate us. They, you know, you see a guy like Pep who just recently had surgery and the guy does everything he can to be on the field to play against Benfica. And for some reason, Benfica has not matched that intensity over the last couple of seasons and not just match, but I just don't think anyone in that Benfica locker room with the exception of Luis own. I think that's a topic Alfredo. We need to talk about, we need to, to hit on uh, once we talk about the game, there's only one guy. There was only one guy. Well, maybe two Otamendi, but there was only one other guy in that stadium the other day that realized and recognized that Benfica needs to lift their intensity, they need to match their opponent's hatred. They need to come in and play this game as if everything depends on it, just like our opponents do. And that one guy was Luizão. Well, I, I think I was I was listening to uh, Benfica FM like I always do last week's episode, and 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 somebody was saying that that uh, that Benfica needs the same way Porto does and. And they're always crying. They're always complaining to the referees, and they're always making things, uh, get making a meal out of things that are little fouls. Uh, that doesn't really fit in Benfica's uh, DNA. That's not who Benfica is at the club. That DNA that they have, it's it's us against the world. It's the north against the south. That is that has been their makeup for the longest time. Uh, that's how they've been able to thrive so much and mobilize the fan base around them is that divisiveness between North and South and it's us against them mentality. Benfica does not have that mentality. I would, I, I very rarely do you see uh, a Benfica team being dirty as a whole. You might have a guy here and there that will, will get his, his knocks in uh, Petite uh, comes comes to mind a few other guys come to mind that always always got good licks in there but this is being aggressive in a physical manner is not in Benfica's DNA so it's it's kind of hard to expect that from the team now the one thing that you should expect is 
not be afraid to go into these games. Understand what your worth is. Understand what the team's worth is. And really believe in yourself and believe that you're a better team, which you are a better team. Like Cristiano said, individually, you're a better team, one through 25, uh, than the sport team. Um, but you got to have that confidence that you could prove it on the field. And Benfica just doesn't have that. Look, Alfredo, even the most well-mannered person, when he gets into a fist fight, if he's got to grab a nut and twist it just to get himself out of a headlock, he's got to do what he's got to do in order to defend himself to the best of his ability. And I think in this instance, Benfica, are they better one through 25? Yeah, they, they, I, th- I personally think a they couple, are. A couple, a couple of positions. No, no I'm not a couple. I'm just saying one through 25. Which, which 25 would you take? That's what I'm talking about. Top to bottom. I think Benfica are better. That being said, look, you play soccer. You understand that when a team comes in with aggression, they can't match you skill-wise. And they come in with that effort and that aggression and that will, that hunger to win. Nine times out of ten, it's going to win the game rather than me coming in and all pretty and, and, and trying to, you know, to, to – being very careful putting in the foot, you know, I don't want to get hurt. I'm trying to be, you know, like Adele Tarap has been trying to be late. Very technical. Sometimes you have to plant your foot and you have to do that in order to win these ugly, scrappy games. The only way we're going to be able to, to combat this football with the Porto is by matching their intensity, by matching their aggressiveness. And I get it. You're like Benfica doesn't have the DNA of being that type. I, I totally understand. But I, I don't think that that's enough for Benfica to make the difference, especially the way that we've been playing this season. We've been, ever since that one loss to Wobisa, like you talked about, it's not that things were pretty before, but at least we're winning a couple of games, scoring some goals, making it look pretty. But ever since that game, it's as if our season has just spiraled, right? We, we Yeah, we're getting the results, but we're not playing anywhere near the capability, ability that we thought we would be able to, right? And so coming into a game where, as you mentioned, our players' confidence might be shot. We're not playing well. You got this pit bull that's coming in and it's going to fight for every 50-50 ball as if your life depends on it. You know what, Alfredo? You have to match that intensity. You don't need that DNA games 1 through 30. Oh, I mean, what, 18? 1 through 34. But you need to match at least those other two games where every time you face that opponent, because the only way you're going to be able to survive and compete against them is by matching it. If not, they're going to have you for lunch. And look, Football Club Porto has beaten Benfica the last four times we've played. They will go for the fifth uh, sometime in the middle of January, right? They have never beaten Benfica five times in a row. And it all comes down to the fact that this team never gives up on any single ball. They play, as I've mentioned before, they're a mirror of their coach, and Benfica has to match that. I've had conversations with friends of ours regarding Benfica and their tactics off the field because, he, you know, friend, he thinks he swears that Benfica has to match what Porto does with all that unprofessionalism, yada, yada, yada. You could talk about all that crap, but that's an instant, Alfredo, where I totally agree with you. DNA comes into play. Benfica was founded on morals. Benfica was founded on a club that is for its people. You can't turn around and start being a classless organization. I get that. But on the field, inside those four lines, if you got to pull a couple of testicles and twist them a couple of times in order to, to get your objective done, you got to do what you got to do, my man. Yeah. And, I, you know, and that, that's exactly right. Uh, I thought that overall the game was just a poor game by both teams. Uh, and, and I think that that itself speaks a lot to uh, where Benfica is at this moment and where Porto is at this moment. Uh, Porto is not playing well. Uh, they, sh- they have struggled. Uh, I mean, they're, they're playing with guys 
that look like superstars that last year were playing for Mureirense and, and Riwavs of the world and 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 so on and so forth. And they make they look like superstars playing against this Mifika team. I just don't I don't understand. And and I think that overall it's like you said, Cristiano, the, the team that wanted it the most that was willing to do a little bit more uh was the team that won. Um Grimaldo, our left back, was the guy that posed the most danger tr- danger to Porto. One on a dead ball situation, one in the first half with a shot that uh, that Marquezine did well. The only one. <laughs> yeah, the only one, right? I, and I mean, uh, and, and if you look at it, um, Vlacodimus' first real save came in the 56th minute also. So it was a very, very poor game uh, by two supposed Uh, top teams in Portugal, but uh, I think that, that Porto doesn't really have an excuse. They have what they have. Their squad is not that deep. Uh, they went and pulled guys from here and there. Not that great of a team. And not it's that, that aggressiveness, team. it's that attitude, Alfredo, that I talk about, that garra, right, that conviction that we're going to do whatever we have to do in order to come away with these three points or victory in this case, right? You have an instance not to pinpoint anybody, not to single out anybody in Benfica, because I think with the exception of maybe Rimaldo, at least attacking, nobody else was good, right? Otamendi was tremendous, but it was defensively. I don't think anyone from Benfica did anything going forward. But you see right from the very first minute, Pep and Darwin, Pep waggles, you know, puts his finger in his face and says, uh-uh, uh-uh, not here. And he tries to intimidate him. A few minutes later, they, they challenge to compete for a ball. Once again, Pep is on the floor. And what does Darwin do? Again, nice. And I'm not criticizing the guy being, a you know, a nice guy. But in games like this, the niceness is thrown out the window. But Darwin reaches over and lifts him off the floor. You don't see a Porto player doing that to a Benfica player. Bro, we're here. This is a – I know in, in, relative to, 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 to the greater thing, you know, the problems around the world, It's it's a stupid term. I don't like to use it often, right? The war, because it's, it's a sporting event, right? At the end of the day, we're all going home where everybody's going home to their family. So it's not really a war. But on that pitch, it feels as if it's, it's a war because it's you against me, no matter what. And Porto has that attitude. And like I said, Pep, a guy that's on a Portuguese national team, everybody knows who he is, right? And he's over there with his finger and everybody's, uh-uh, not here. And then we turn around, we lift him off the floor. We have to match that. Yo, you know what? F you. We're here to win this game. And I think until Benfica has that attitude that every game that you play, and particularly against our main rivals from up north, regardless of what the city and its fans, because we all know, bro, right? We, we can't stand one another, so it's no secret. Just the players, right? Everybody matches that intensity about, except our players. Their players match the fans. Our players don't match us. But we need to lift that competitive uh, streak. We need to lift that, that aggression because it's the only way, Alfredo. Our roster, unfortunately... It's not made up of Galacticos where we just come on a field, regardless of how aggressive you are, we're still going to slap the crap out of you. No, no, we're not like we're not that good that it makes that big of a difference. So we need to match their intensity. And until that happens, bro, I know I'm, I'm being repetitive, but it's a fact until we play them eye to eye. This is what's going to happen, bro. We're just going to be coming up short. Yeah. Dave, what's on your mind, bro? What's on my mind? That hasn't been already discussed. Like, It, it's just a very disappointing uh, performance. I can't say that I'm. I was uh, expecting a victory going into uh, the match. I think I called a, a two-one uh, scoreline for uh, for Porto. But um, I like uh, it. What frustrates me is that it wasn't a quality Porto side that we were playing against. Uh, 
there's games that they've they've beat us handedly and they were on top of their game this game uh it was just a very boring game to watch even for the uh, from a neutrals uh perspective and um we're we're actually inches away from sending this game to potential penalties with that Grimaldo free kick and we could be to- uh, speaking about this game totally different not not necessarily about how how we played, but we could have come up with the, uh, the toss, uh, uh, by going to penalties, but, um, how, how, how the game of, uh, soccer and sports in general is if you don't, uh, if you don't score, we're, uh, uh a minute or two later, we're, uh, conceding a goal there at the end, uh, to make it two nothing. So as bad as the, our performance was, um, we are still about uh, just inches away of to sending this match to penalties and anything can happen in penalties. Yeah, but I, I mean, I know that Porto didn't do... Did we do enough to deserve to take the game? No, absolutely absolutely not. But there's many clubs uh, that we play against that, that don't deserve to steal points away from us. And at the end of the day, they, they managed to get the job done, right? We haven't been playing well all season, but... We come up, we come here every year or every year every week and we say we get the three points and at the end of the day that's uh, that's what matters at the end of the day right so if we send the game to penalties and uh, manage to uh, to win on penalties at the end of the day we get the we get our hands on the the tasa right and that's what we were playing for in this this uh, this match here Dave you're not wrong you're not wrong and I'm sorry Alfredo to cut you off you're not wrong Dave but I think in a game of this magnitude, right, with everything that's on the line, JJ comes in, the money spent. Um, it's your first real. It, it's your first time you're playing football with Porto, the team who beat you all three times you played last year, right? This was kind of a game where more it was more of a measuring stick than it was about winning a cup, than it was about winning the three points. I think. In the middle of January, when we play Porto, if we come away with an ugly victory, hey, who cares? At the end of the day, three points is three points, and we want to accumulate as many three points as possible. But in this case, I think it, it, it was it was you know to, to, for us to to test one another, to test if JJ is really going to make a difference, to see if these players that we brought in, you know, we have the two most expensive most most expensive transfers in the history of the Portuguese game. All right. Is this going to make a difference? And I think that's the disappointing part about it is that no matter what we've changed, no matter who we bring in, no matter the amount of money we spend, we are still going up against our bitter rivals and we're falling short. I, at least that's the way I took it. And that's why I was more upset than anything else, because at the end of the day, Winning that cup, whether going into penalties, Dave, like you're saying, that, that to me, like it didn't really matter. I didn't like I don't give a crap about if this was against, you know, uh Gil Vicente, uh, like obviously we never want Benfica to lose, right? But like whatever. Right? I wouldn't even care about the cup. It's more so of who it was against and the statement that we could have made here. And unfortunately, it's it's the opposite of what we all hoped would come out of this game. But what we've what we've seen recently, uh, who's been stirring Benfica's uh, drink? Who's been the straw that's been stirring Benfica offensively the, this last month? It's been Pizzi. And what did we expect going forward uh, coming into this match with no Pizzi, uh, like no Pizzi in the lineup? Also, Gabriel was also injured before the before the the match as well. So we knew that it was going to be Tarapte and Weigel who we can honestly say here, having been at the most informed 
uh, players going into this match, right? So uh, I was not expecting uh, 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 this wasn't our our, our best eleven going forward against a, a Porto side anyway. So I wasn't expecting a night a night and day performance from this Benfica to what we've been seeing against the the Monkush and the and uh, the league. Dave, I understand what you're saying, but the a team of uh, of Benfica's caliber can't be dependent on one player alone. As Cristiano mentioned, we have two of the most expensive signings ever in the Liga Noche. Where are those guys? Not where's, of them. They are. Where, There's where, not of They are. <laughs> where's Everton, the difference maker? Where's Everton, the 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 starter for the national team uh, of Brazil? Uh, where's where's all these guys? Uh, and, and the thing, that's the thing that, that bugs me. It just, you got players with proven value, no doubt about it. Uh, but failed to show up. Uh, is it a mental block? Is it, um, the, the, the coach that's not getting the most out of where these players are supposed to play? I don't know. It could be multiple things, uh, but certainly, all four times that you've played Porto in these four last losses to Porto, Porto has not been or hasn't had a better team than Benfica. They haven't. And last year, though, to, to their credit, as we covered here on, uh, on the podcast, guys, in their two matchups in the league, right, in the first that they go and start to lose, they beat us 2-0, and then we go there and they beat us. The difference, in the, at least in those two games, was specifically – the coaching staff, the fact, the way that George, uh, that's George, that uh, Sergio Conceição set up this team, they muffled us and, and they suffocated us and they attacked our weakest points. And as we mentioned here, right, not to go over those games, but they identified our weaknesses do, do, through their, through their, you know, video, watching video and whatever it was. And, and, and they, and they exploited us where we haven't made those adjustments against them. And we go into the game in the Taça Portugal. We go up a man, right? Basically the whole second half, and who plays better? They play better than we do. And it's, so it's just – it's frustrating. And, Dave, look, you're right. I think I've done something on the podcast over the last couple of weeks that none of us ever saw this coming, which was praising Peasy, right? And and he's been an important cock to this team, over the, especially over the last two, three months, because everything positive, everything good that Benfica has done, he seems to be involved one way or another. But in that, that being said, I'm yet to see PZ show up at a, for a game against Porto. But you, you're right. Maybe maybe he would have had an effect. But that's part of football. You're not going to have every guy available, uh, you know, 100% of the time. And now there's other guys. And I'm pretty sure I'm afraid to go over. But there's other guys that have, you know, been, been affected by the COVID situation. And it's just that's the world we live in through injuries, through COVID. We got to do the best we could do with the players that we have. And the fact of the matter is that Everton hasn't showed up. He showed up the two, the, the two goals, one, whatever, whatever, against Maritim. But, you know, he's been really cold lately. Darwin scored it, you know, whatever. He hasn't scored in six games. Uh, it's just those guys, the money maker, Rafa is nowhere to be seen. Tarap is, is playing bad. And I, I don't like the way that JJ's been setting up the team. I think he learned about exploiting the other team's weaknesses and keeping it wide because of the style of play in Brazil where everybody's just stationary and he exploited them, going down the wing, crossing it. And I think he's brought that same system and tried to implement them here in Portugal. I don't think it's worked out at all. And that leaves whoever is in the middle, whether it's Bizi, whether it's Starop, whether it's Gabriel, Vigo, Samaris, Florian, whomever the hell it is. Those guys are isolated in a freaking island in the middle of the field. And every time Tarap gets a ball, he's surrounded by three, four guys. And there's no one within 10 yards, 15 yards from him to, 
to playoff. It is always they have to do something with that first touch in order to pick out a pass. It's very difficult. I think JJ needs to keep his team his team more compact. He needs to to change this because it's not working. I don't understand what the hell he's trying to do. And I'm a guy, as you know, I'm a JJ lover. But I think here lately he's gotten it all wrong, and it's easy to sit and complain and and point at some players and because of the way they play. But then you want to kill the coach, but then you could defend the coach because lately. Right. In the same sentence, like Alfredo met the, the two money guys. Where are they at? Darwin is Miss Sitters inside the box, inside the six by himself. No one on him. And he misses it. That's the coach's fault. He puts away a couple of those change, a couple of those chances. Right now, it goes from one zero to two zero, three zero. Maybe the team, you know, that alleviates some pressure. Maybe the team starts to play a little bit more confidence. But the fact is that these guys are brought in to make a difference. They're not playing anywhere near the level that they're supposed to be playing on. And so it's just a snowballing effect from the players, from the coaching staff to everything. It's just negativity after negativity after negativity, and it's going to take games like these against Football Club de Porto. Right. Because nobody gives a crap when you're beating a Santa Clara 5-0. Right. It's going to matter when you win these types of games against these teams like football. Club Porto. That's when these players spirits are going to be lifted. That's when they're going to start to believe that, look, maybe we can do some. Look how good we can be against a team, which is our direct competition in our Portuguese league. Why shouldn't we be doing that against the Minnows? And so these games are important. That's why, to me, this was a measuring stick. And, and, and I think we came up very, very very short. Yeah. And I don't even think that JJ got out coached by Conceição, right? But when you make a substitution at the 64th minute and then your next substitutions is in the 89th and 90th minute when you're bringing in fullbacks for this game, I mean, you got to understand that your team is not playing shit. Let's let's put some guys in there that can make a difference. But I have a reason. I have a reason as to why he did that. I think I told you last week off the air I'm telling you right now, guys, Dave, I didn't tell you. I told Alfredo. I'm telling you right now. I think JJ thought he was being a wise fox. And he said, I'm going to bring in Tavares, who's got wheels, and he's going to be fresh. He's going to, you know, he's going to kill these guys in extra time. But there was no extra time. It was going to go to penalties. I think he outsmarted himself. I think he thought it was going into prolongamento. That's what I think. And then obviously they scored a second goal that that really took that out of reach. But I think he thought I think he thought there was extra time to be making those subs. It makes absolutely no sense in the 89th minute. No sense at all. Uh, he didn't get out coached, but certainly he didn't he didn't out coach anyone or he, he didn't even Coach, I don't. I, I just I, there's 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 a lot of people that uh, subscribe to the idea that uh, JJ is kind of doing this on purpose because he wants to get a couple more guys that he that he never got. Um, do you believe that, Christian? Y'all, let me tell you something. At this point, I, I'm praying that that's what it is because. I, I think I said <laughs> can't it on explain it any other way. What's happened to this guy? I, I think I went off on a Twitter rant. Have we been punked? You guys watch Dave. Punked is famous in Canada, right? Punked is over there. You guys. Well, it was famous 15 years ago. Not, yeah, uh, not. still watching it because you got nothing to do besides, you know, it's too snowy. You can't go out. So you guys still, that's still number one hit show over there. So I've asked if we bring, if we're being punked because JJ, the old JJ, you remember the wise ass JJ, the Tim Sherwood of Newcastle, three, that, 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 cocky. the guy just sitting on the side with his arms crossed. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Remember at the beginning of the season when Vivica was actually winning a couple games and he's throwing outs. Remember at Gabriel? Remember he was throwing and you could hear him loud and clear. You hear the guys just. Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. wait, wait, what's the shadow what's of himself? What's happened? What's happened? I mean, so Alfredo, I subscribe to the, Well, I'm subscribing now. I should say I've just signed up. I hit the subscribe button. Right. I'm praying that that's what it is, that he just being, you know, like a wifey is right. You know, they nah, they don't get their way. They want the new washing machine. And yeah, so they might not put out for a little while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you get it. So, you know, I'm hoping that's what it is because I can't explain anywhere any, 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 you know, any, any other way. Um, so I'm hoping yeah. that's he gets a shiny new toy now in January. Um, you know, I, I would look, I'm gonna shock you. I'm gonna shock you. And I know some people are not going to appreciate, but I don't, I don't really care. You should know that. But I am so disoriented right now. And I am looking for any glimmer of hope that this, that, this thing could get turned around because, you know, I'm a huge JJ believer. Still, everybody keeps asking me on Twitter. You still believe it? Man, I can't jump off the wagon. I can't jump off the horse when halfway there. Like, I'm stuck now. I'm either going to go all the way to the end with him and we'll see what happens. But I can't. I can't jump off now. I, I, I can't walk the rest of the way on my own. I need to stay on this goddamn wagon because it's the only way I'm, I'm going to get to where I need to get. That being said, I hope. I hope. <laughs> That these rumors that he wants William Carvalho, go get him. We need help in the center of the park. I am look, I'm doing two things here on the podcast that I know you guys that have listened for a very long time are probably just just, just spit out whatever the hell you were drinking. But I gave credit to PZ, and I'm saying bring in William Carvalho. That goes to show you where I'm at. We need some help in the middle of the park. Vigo's played better of late, but it's still not enough. We need to get this guy, whatever the hell he wants, because we need to get the same old JJ on the sidelines in order for this team to turn their fortunes around. So, Alfredo, I'm on board with him. Good about you, bro. <laughs> that goes to show you how, how low I've stooped. Dave, um, JJ often talks about his experiences in, in, the, in the Middle East and in the Brazil, he, he loves to uh, go back to those memories in Brazil uh, and that he's changed as a changed guy. Do you really think that the, the JJ that we knew from six seasons ago is is a different man? I don't I don't think so. I think he he definitely knows how to play mind games with uh, the media and, and us fans as well. But It, it's gone. It's completely different. Remember a couple of weeks back when we were playing uh, standard liaison, he said, Oh, when uh, Carcella said that it looked like Benfica, Benfica looked like Barcelona out there and JJ, that cocky son of a bitch said, Oh, I hope it wasn't uh, the Barcelona of late. Not today's Actually, Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. Not today's Barcelona. And since then it's gone <laughs> straight uh, downhill for Benfica. You're right so, about that, man. It's uh, it's still the same uh, JJ, but uh, he knows how to. Wrong, uh, he wasn't wrong at the time, but it hasn't uh, hasn't turned out uh, hasn't turned out since. Well, that, you uh, know, Barcelona hasn't been doing. Uh, exactly. That's why I'm saying he wasn't wrong. I mean, you don't want to be compared to today's Barcelona. Like, geez, I, I don't blame him for that. Yeah, but then you know we gotta we gotta put up with uh, with Pinto Costa saying that uh, they were scared that they were going to be a Rosalus, you know, shit like that, you know, and. And uh, Conceição today on on the flash interview after his game in Guimarães, 
the lights uh, got turned off uh, just really quick. And he said, oh, I thought the water was going to be turned on yeah, next. That's, that, what, that's not a Jake. That's a dig at being feet. Whoever operates the stadium. Yeah, yeah. But, but that, that's what I'm saying. It, but that's the type of shit that we have to subject ourselves to uh, from those clowns up north. That's fine because quem seria o último risco melhor? Tá bem. Years ago, they beat us first game of the year. They were parading. And then we go into their stadium. We beat them two to one. We overturned. And obviously, they overturned the seven-point yep. lead. I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to be uh, laughing uh, in April. Hopefully, you won't be crying. Let's see. Look, I'm hoping. I'm hoping this. I'm hoping that the whole spiel that I just went on, uh, you know, regarding the hatred and matching the intensity. I'm hoping that these players, a lot of these new, the Darwins, the 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 Lucas, the, the Evertons, Pedrinhos, all these new guys that came in, right? Obviously, Vertonghen. They don't understand Vertonghen. You know, played over there in London. Everybody's proper. Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. Huh? We're all proper. Everybody's kind to one another. What the man? He's a guy that's been in a few wars, right? But besides that, everybody. Maybe Gilberto. Gilberto was actually from the favela. Everybody else, they look like a bunch of good chaps, right? And, and, and maybe, maybe, playing in this game against Porto the other day, and, and finally hearing about someone being a, you know, pos. And actually now confronting them and planning and, and having a guy be a POS to your face, right? Maybe that wakes them up. And maybe that, that turns on their, their, their competitive uh, juices and the next time they play them in a couple of weeks. And maybe, and maybe this game is able to, to instill some of that, you know, that, that, that rival that we want so much our players to want. We want our players to, to eat the grass if they have to. And, and maybe confronting a guy like Otavio and realizing that, bro, this is worse than what we heard of. Right next time I play him, I'm gonna bring my knife. You know, like you know, I'm fucking with the naboka and You know what I mean? You ever you watch those pirate movies, right? Um, maybe maybe this this is the maybe this is a wake up call. Maybe. I keep uh, you know I keep looking for uh, uh, some kind of a redemption point where we could forget everything that's happened in the past and it just it just hasn't happened. Uh, let's hope that 2021 uh, brings us uh, these these wishes. Uh, and these changes, but uh, I, I don't know. Um, lastly, before we we move on from this game, that, that as Cristiano mentioned, that that whole Louis Zone thing at the end, uh, very visible, right? So Tiago Pinto, who was uh, the director for football, uh, caught uh, COVID. So the guy Louis Zone is part of that structure, but he's not a guy that's usually on a bench. He was called over. Uh, to uh, fill in for, for Tiago Pinto. And at the end of the game, um, th there's a clear picture of Luizão just going off, not going off, but I think Luizão made the players understand um, what a loss like this, especially to the team that it was, means. Uh, I think that he, he, he threw a, a couple things in there that – You know, he's not spending Christmas with his wife because he's he's committed to the project. And and I think that the wife thing alone, that's not what he wanted to convey. But it's more uh, the commitment, uh, the commitment to the project. Are you all in? Are you do you believe? Are you a believer? Uh, and I think that that's what he's questioning. He's questioning their commitment to the project and and, and really making them see that games like this, especially against your eternal rival, are games that you need to leave everything on the field. And I think that Luizão really feels that there's a lot of guys on this team that are not committed to this project. Uh, we've also heard uh, 
from the inside that uh, there's a lot of players on this team that are not happy with JJ currently, uh, with the way he conducts himself, with his ego, etc. So is there a, a rift in, in the locker room, something that's preventing this team from, from com coming together and, and doing more? Certainly a guy like JJ, from what we know, is not a guy that's going to let himself or, or let the players make his bed. Uh, he's a guy that it's a disciplinarian. If he sees that some guys are some kind of factioners are against him, he's going to get rid of those guys. He doesn't give a shit because he has Luis Fluvieta's uh, ear. Um, so talking about this Luis Zone thing, uh, and we often said, and there was one one of the things that we said once Luis Zone was gone, that leadership and, and that mystica in the locker room uh, dies a little bit with Luis Zone leaving. Uh, and right now, when you look at the squad and you think about Mishtika, there's not one guy on this team that I could say that guy embodies the Mishtika from Befica. No, Cristiano, maybe you, you know somebody that does that. But what what what? How how do you how do you interpret that whole Luizon thing at the end of the game? Look, man, I, I could get serious. I could go to funny path, a funny road here, funny path. I. Uh, I think one thing is for sure, right? And us, or whatever, true Benfiquistas, right? True Benfiquistas uh, mentioned this when it happened, and it didn't get the fanfare maybe from the club. Or it should have. Uh, but when, when Shell left the locker room, right? And then Luizão a couple months later, it, you could tell the whole culture has been flipped upside down, right? We hear reports of, you know, players turning their backs on coaches. And and it seems as if now it's just, you know, we're here to, to play soccer and get our paycheck and go home after the game. And and it is what it is, right? Okay, right? That was the line came out. Okay. Uh, but I, I think people like that are important to have at the club. And I think Luizão did what any of us uh, would have done had we had we been in this situation, had we been on the sideline. I think... I think if you go into a game like that, even though it was in Aveiro, uh, my hometown, by the way, um, and, and Benfica loses a game like that with the fans in the state, I think Benfica, you know, the booze would rain. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people would be happy. So he did what any true Benfica would do, which is, you know, try to get the players' attention, tell them that this is just not any other game. Now, I'm a fan, okay? I'm a fan, and I'm happy that he did that. There were reports that the team or the players or JJ or Rui Costa weren't happy about it. And, I, and I'll tell you this much. If the players weren't happy about the, the what do you call it? Raspadão, right? Is that what you call it? Raspanit. Raspanit, whatever. If the players weren't, you know what? Players could go kick rocks. Players are they just, look, man, you, you're here. Luis don't spent the last 20 years. You just, you, you learn. Shut up and learn. Listen and learn. Uh, Rui Costa, I'm iffy about it. Now, I, I'm unhappy that even JJ would have taken it the wrong way, but I understand the only person I would have understood not being happy with that respondent would have been JJ because at the end of the day, he's the coach, and if the players are going to hear it's going to be from him, I kind of get it. There is a chain of command, right? But as far as Luis on doing it, man, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it, and, and I just wish that – that, you know, maybe he would have transmitted it better to, to, to JJ that he was going to do it. And I think JJ should have jumped on board and, you know, done the same. I hope he did in the locker room at least. But um, it's it's just it's one of those situations that we don't feel that there's enough Benfiquismo inside that locker room. And I think Luizão did what all of us would have done in that situation. 
Yeah, and, and there was much ado since since Wednesday uh, in the media about that. Uh, is that a rift in the middle? There's going to be a whole conversation, a whole meeting between Luis Fiviera, Rui Costa, JJ, and Luizão. Uh, Luizão's not going to go to the bench. Now Luizão's going to the bench. And JJ was asked after today's game uh, about that situation, and he did mention that uh, Luizão is part of his of his technical team. Uh, he's part of the structure, and he actually is a guy that answers to JJ. That he said that him and uh, Louis, uh, that JJ and Luizão have a very close relationship, and that Luizão is allowed to have that type of input. Uh, now, perhaps a lot of this input that we see, and there's a lot of people being critical saying that this is something that could have been done in the locker room and it wouldn't have created so many waves in the media. We don't know what JJ is saying to the players in the locker room or not. We don't know if this be type of behavior from, from I mean, from Luizão is very normal. Uh, we just saw something that we had never seen before, especially the his first time out. But I'm pretty sure that being one of JJ's confidence, if you could call him that, he's the guy that has the authority to speak to the team because of his stature in the club. Um, and and I, I, I'm with you, Cristiano. I didn't see anything wrong with that. I'm glad that somebody said like that. That somebody somebody did that, and and to be perfectly honest with you, I would have loved to seen Rui Costa with all his benfiquismo, uh, benfiquista desde pequenin, saying something like that to the players. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the sad part is that the guy with the biggest benfiquista on the field is the guy that tried to walk on a team about 15 times, right? When he tried to re- <laughs> get a better salary. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. look, I, I, I'm with you, man. Look, I, I. I'm I'm a hundred percent okay with them doing it, but I could totally understand JJ's part. You could have done the same exact thing in the locker room, but I, you know, and it would it would still send the same message to the guys. But I think JJ, I mean JJ, I think uh, Luizão is fed up. I think Luizão is a guy that feels the fans his whole career, right? And which is which is a shame, wait, when you think about it, because his despedida it was yeah. in front of the stadium. He didn't get that farewell that he should have because he's always. Is, is his his relationship with the fans was up and down because obviously I just mentioned the stuff about him wanting to leave, but I think it was just negotiation power, right? Him, everybody, everybody's going to try to do whatever they can to get a raise. And he's always had that special relationship. So he feels what the fans feel. And I think that was just frustration, like, bro. And then he's sitting on the sideline. He's sitting up close. And now he has an opportunity to talk to these guys when, the, you know, things are still heated off. Right? You know, when the whistle goes off, it's still heated times. The tensions are high. And he just, he just let out all that frustration that the fans feel and felt at the time. And, and I, look, I'm okay with it, but at the same time as a player and whatever, I could, def- you know, I could obviously defend the other side. I just, I won't defend the players. I could defend JJ, the players themselves. I don't care who is pissed off. I don't give a crap who the hell you are. I think Luis has done enough for this club. He's the winningest player in the history of the club. He's got the right to voice his opinion anytime you want. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that he did it out in the open. But I could actually defend JJ on that aspect that, you know, um, he could have maybe done the same exact thing in the locker room. But I think JJ, I mean, I think I keep saying JJ, I think Luizão wanted to send a very clear message that this is not all right. And he wants the fans to know that they don't think it's all right. I think that was a message more so for the for the for the Benfica world. Right. More so than just the players. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, 
I'm feeling great that there's actually somebody that could kick these guys' asses whenever they're not feeling or whenever they don't have the commitment and the attitude. I, I love that. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. And hopefully that was uh, there was a, a, a turning point. Uh, did, they did, JJ did say yesterday or the day before, right? He did say that Louison would be on, on, on the bench. And he was game. on the was bench that, today. So then I guess, so then he was true to his word. He said that Rick Costa invited him and that he's part of the Direção and he's going to be on the bench again. As far as Thiago Pinto, Alfredo, it's unfortunate he has missed the last two games because of COVID, but he would have let, he would have been, today would have technically been his last game because he's leaving as of January 1st. He's yep. taking over the same position in AS Roma, Paulo Fonseca's squad in Italy. Yeah, so uh, Porto has now won 11 out of 12 Super Cups that they've played against Benfica. Uh, it is what it is. When's the last um, time Benfica beat them? 1991. Was Dave alive then? No, yeah, 87. Dave was like six years old in 1993. <laughs> anyway, uh, turning our attention now to um, uh, this Portimonense game. Uh, Benfica played Portimonense today. Uh, Vlaco Dimos, Gilberto Otamendi, Vertonghen, and Grimaldo in defense. Weigel and Tarap, Rafa Everton on the wings. Uh, Walshmidt and uh, Darwin. So basically the same team that played against uh, Porto. Um, and we also found out that Benfica added more names to the COVID-positive players. Pizzi, Jardel, uh, João Ferreira, uh, Gonçalo Ramos, and Seferovic uh, were uh, the, the very latest ones. Uh, and, and here's something I don't understand. Um, and you guys remember when this first came up and and I read the rules from the, the, the league and all the precautions that were being taken, all the clubs, and they were isolating players. They were isolating players and their families. There was people grocery shopping for these players and delivering and delivering meals so they didn't have to do anything. What happened to all of that? And why? I know that Sporting had a lot of cases in the beginning of the season, but it seems that they, they got that under control. What happened? Uh, Benfica, whose structure claims that they're 10 years ahead of, of everyone, has this many COVID cases. I can't understand what is going on. And what, what precautions and regulations are not being followed to the point that you have one, two, three, four, five, six players out? I don't understand. I just don't understand how a team and players that don't need to do anything but be driven to practice, practice, come home, eat, shower, repeat. How were these players testing positive for COVID? I love you, Alfredo, but I think you're being a little bit unfair here. Okay. I think you're being unfair when you're mentioning you know, team 10 years ahead. I don't think that has anything to do with this. I think at the end of the day, they could take all the precautions they want. At the end of the day, they still have family members. Unless these guys are, are in a bubble like the NBA and the NHL did, right? They're going to come into contact with people that are going about their daily routines, people that have to go to work, people that have to go shopping, right? Their wives have to take their kids to the, uh, to the doctors, and maybe they come in contact with somebody. It's all it takes, Alfredo, is for you to take your, one of your kids to the doctor. You get, you catch it. You come to my house, do the podcast with me. I catch it. I go meet up with Dave without knowing. I give and now. Were we being irresponsible? No. Look, you're a, you're a player. You're my teammate. I'm a teammate. I'm I'm clear. I think I'm clear. Unfortunately, right? They have families. They have you know parents. They 
they still kind of have to, you know, live their daily lives. They're not going to bars unless you're Neymar and throwing a New Year's party with like 600,000 people. But that's the only one. But but everybody else, they, they've cut out the restaurants. They've cut out the, the going out as much as possible. But I'm afraid you can't control anybody. I mean, all it takes is for the guy that cuts the grass. At the at the Seychelles, you just you don't know where this came from. Yeah, and that's why I said I think you're being unfair because this could have came, this could have come from so many different directions that I, I you know, it, maybe maybe Chris it, it, out I, of the club control. I understand that, but I myself, much like you and and Dave, I'm sure we have made sacrifices in our daily lives to make sure that we're not putting ourselves in arms way or in a situation where we may be in contact with more people than we should. And that's just us in our normal lives, having to go to do our jobs every day, uh, you know, having to deal with, with people, go out and shopping, whatever, whatnot. How are these players not able to isolate themselves and their direct families from a situation that's been escalating in Portugal for the past three, four weeks? Because again, One thing you can only do, Alfredo Fumasas, is speak on behalf of Alfredo Fumasas. You can't speak on behalf of... Yes, you like to think that your loved ones are going to be responsible, but at the end of the day, you can't control. While you're at practice, your wife might run to the grocery store. I, just just throwing a stupid example. It could be something just simple as that. And then it affects one guy, and that other guy comes into the locker room. It affects another guy, and... That's all it takes is one person. It doesn't mean that the five guys round about being irresponsible, right? Maybe Sferovic goes to the doctor, isn't his wife pregnant or something like that? Goes to the doctor with his wife, comes into contact, comes into the locker room, gives it to... It, it, was he being irresponsible? No, we just don't know. We don't know the details. I would just look. The thing I would say is that it's unfortunate that we're dealing with this situation. Hopefully these guys get, you know, speedy recovery. Obviously, PZ was the first one in the Pinto. Um, hopefully these guys recover fast. Maybe PZ spread it. Maybe he didn't. Uh, you know, if he's hot, he spread it. But if he's on one of those cold streaks where he can even take care of the monkeys, you know, can't blame him. But we just, we just, it's, it's too many uncertainties and uncertainties here. And yeah, it's easy to pinpoint the finger that the club is not being responsible. The players aren't being responsible. But like I said, man, it could be something as simple as taking your kid to the doctor. It could be something very minor. It could be someone, a referee's assistant, assistant that was in the corridor. And you just, it could be something silly like that. And it's unfair to sit here and say that these guys are being irresponsible because at the end of the day, we don't know the details. It's easy for us to assume. Right. But we just we never know, man. We just I, never. I, I, I don't. You're right. I don't know the details. I just think that a club that claims to be run with in such a professional manner that has guys that can go and grab cats out of trees and 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 feed uh, fish during vacation, uh, that we have a, a type of structure in place and that we can't protect our players or we can't even teach our players. Uh, to be safe. Um, and I do understand, Chris, we don't know all the circumstances and we don't know anything that's about it. I just think that for a club of Benfica stature with the infrastructure that they have and with the way the players are treated, to have one, two, three, four, five, six cases of COVID in the past three weeks uh, is a lot. I'm sorry. It's a lot. It, uh, yes, and I don't know, Alfredo. Uh, all it takes is one, 
right? They said it's contagious, spreads like wildfire. In EPL today, 18 cases confirmed today. Manchester City can't sleep. They got more money than God, and they have guys everywhere, guys that could go up trees as well and take out cats, and they had to cancel games. This is just the world we live in, and I think, look, it's – it's easy for us to come on here and, and, and say these guys are being irresponsible. But again, we just we don't know. I mean, I'm honest, I'm, just, I, I'm with I'm not saying you're crazy. I'm just playing the other side. You know, like I said, I'm a positive guy this year. Yeah, you know? I was going to say this, this new Cristiano, because I when, uh, when we, were, we were talking Two more days well, when uh, Alfredo was was talking, was first getting on this convert uh, this uh, point here. I was more leaning towards Alfredo's side that maybe Benfica, like the rest of society, uh, is having this COVID fatigue and just not caring by the rules or not following the pro- proper pro- protocols. But Cristiano, you you've changed me. Your positivity has changed me <laughs> in the right way, and we don't know the the facts. So maybe we got to give these players uh, the benefit of the doubt. If we were right now on the show with Tony Reality, right, and then around the horn, you'd give me the point. Yeah, I'd give you the points, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Alfredo, 1-0, baby. I'm winning. <laughs> so, anyway, about this uh, Portimonese game, uh, a very good uh, a very good first half by Benfica came out and pressed high. Uh, again, we're playing a, a last-place uh, team here. Uh, scored two goals, one in the 13th minute and one in the 23rd minute few combinations that uh, that worked and uh, and I, look I, I liked uh, and and I think I'm I'm probably going to agree with uh, with JJ when he says that this was the one of the best if not the best uh, first half that they played that started to lose this uh, this year uh, I think I'm going to agree with him and then you come out for the second half and you know I, I don't know. I, I, I are, are these guys imposters? Did they did the people just dress up at these guys and came out and played in the second half? Um, I don't know. And it just to be able to uh, be winning two nothing, be able to put the game away, to uh, really spend the last three four minutes of uh, of the second half defending for your life because uh, Portimonense got a got a goal and they were close to tying the game. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm having a, I'm just having a hard time with all of this. Am I gonna go with the good angel or the bad angel? I'm, <laughs> I'm undecided. I'm undecided. Look, I, I think we had a, we had a pretty good first half. Yes, we created chances. I think, you know, Darwin could have definitely. He's the type of guy that he, he look. He finally got on the score sheet. First goal in six games was it, Dave or? Oh, he hadn't scored in six games. Some, I know there was a six involved. I heard, I heard Helder Kondutu talking about it on the play by play. It was either his first goal in six. Yeah, it was first goal in six games, or he had gotten six without it. Now it's the seventh. Whatever. But he had a couple of gimmies. We created plenty of opportunity. Even in the second half, of free, if you want to fast forward into the second half, right at the beginning of the second, he has an opportunity to put the game to bed, and, and, and he hits it off the post. It's just this team is not playing. Again, man, we, we just – Replay what we talked about regarding Porto, right? We're not playing well. And then when you do get the few opportunities that you're doing, you don't convert them, right? You're you leaving yourself open for crap like this because instead of saying, okay, no marca sofre, and you start leaving these teams hanging around, they start to believe. They start to believe. Before you know it, you're on a back foot defending. Yeah, and look, <laughs> we should never be defending the way that we did against a team like Portimonense, okay? Hundred percent, but they stuck around, and Benfica was very fortunate. Like at the end of the day, the way that this game wound up, 
and finished, we were very fortunate to come away with the three points because we just we couldn't defend. We couldn't. We got dominated in ball possession. It was just one of those ugly, ugly, ugly second halves. Um, and to be fair here, you guys know I love JJ, but if that was J, if that was Vitoria or La, I'd be screaming for his head. I mean, it was just unacceptable from a team like Benfica to be playing like that at home against a team that's what 17th or last place, whatever the hell they are in the Portuguese league, just totally unacceptable, totally unacceptable. You going down, you winding down the clock and, and, and we're making subs in the 90 something minute, whatever to wind down against Portimonense. We're killing time against Portimonense. Yeah. Absolutely unacceptable and atrocious. That being said, Alfredo, three we points is three have, points. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's the positive. I think that's the only positive to come out of this. But we, when I say we, Benfica has to start converting the few chances that they get. And especially those chances in front of goal by yourself. It is there is no freaking excuse for you not to capitalize and not to convert those opportunities. If you start converting those opportunities, your confidence level goes up. The team starts picking it up and it's just maybe just the air. In the stadium, in the locker room, it lifts. You know what I mean? Like, everybody can take a deep breath. But until we do that, we're just finishing these games under pressure. And now you're going into the next game with your last thought, which was, bro, we were up against the ropes. We were lucky to get away from that one, right? Rather than coming away with an easy victory, say, oh, okay, this was easy. All right, good. Ah, all right, the year in here is thin. No, no, no. We, we're going to go into the next game thinking about our last performance. And it's just our team, our players need to be better. Yeah. Uh, I had a chance to speak to, uh, to speak. I had a chance to listen to JJ's uh, press conference afterwards, and uh, uh, Portimonense had uh, the majority of the the possession. I think fifty four percent in the second half. Obviously, possession doesn't doesn't win you games uh, if you don't score. Uh, but JJ had a couple of things that I, I thought uh, that were interesting. He said the team gets nervous when they don't have the ball, um, and when I look at this team. And I look at the resumes of this these players. How are these players getting nervous when they don't have the ball? You got players that have played at in the biggest leagues, in the biggest clubs, national team players. And how do you get nervous against a team like uh, Portimonense? Um, the other thing that he said is that um, the atmosphere in the locker room hasn't been the best because – this whole COVID thing and the positive cases that have that have that have happened have really kind of moved the dark cloud uh, in the locker room where players are feeling uneasy, uh, they're feeling afraid, uh, they don't have that usual happiness that they would have in a training ground because of this black cloud of of COVID that's uh, that's around the club. So I, I kind of do understand that, and then. He also said that he's managing players because they picked up a couple of knocks and they have some some muscular fatigue. But um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a couple a couple of good things that he said that give us a little bit of insight. But I, Chris, I just don't understand how a team like Befica could be nervous against a team like Portimonense. Well, a couple of things. One, because they know and they understand that the team as a team, right? That they as a team. As 11 on the field, don't defend well together. There's no team defending. And that's JJ's fault. If he feels the team feels that way, he needs to tighten things up. That's his fault. He can actually do something about it, implement something different. He could fine-tune some things in order to change the system so these guys could defend better. Insert another defensive center midfield. Do something around. Switch it to a 4-3-3. The fact of the matter is that there's too many players on this field, as I've stated on the podcast previously, that 
with the, now he throw Weigel in there. He kind of defends a little bit, but it's your two center backs with the other. Gabriel, got to give him credit. He has, whether he's good or not, but the guy put in the effort, put in his shift, 95th minute, and he's, and he's over there hacking away, and he's, he's putting in the effort. But the rest of the team is just going through their motion. I think that's what it is. They understand that defensively they are still very much flawed, number one. Number two, the pressure, man. We talk about this over the years. I think any Benfica around the world will tell you, wearing that Montsegrado, wearing that red shirt on your back is a very happy piece of apparel, right? And I think that these players feel that pressure. Things aren't going well. The press is hawking them, right? Everyone expected them to jogar o triplo, right? Especially when your coach comes in and proclaims that jogar o triplo. We're, we're going to win the World Cup. There was some, some asinine uh, podcasters talking about the by by December they, they would have won the World Cup already right and and you know dumb people like that um, and I just think that the pressure's gone to these guys maybe maybe these guys even though they played with the exception of Vertonghen really Vertonghen and, and Otamendi everybody else that came in I mean Everton played at at, at Gremio I mean I don't know much pressure so Luca Luca came from freaking uh, not Luca Luca came from uh, you know a nice little team in in, in German league but. Freiburg nowhere near the pressure. Uh, what I meant to say about come from a little team was Darwin. Darwin came from second division. So this is a huge step up for him. And then with that ponytail, I think he needs to give, when he plays well, it's when he doesn't have that dumbass ponytail um, or, or tutu, whatever you want brought to call that it. back. He hadn't, he hadn't worn it like saying. that in a while. The guy was tripping on his own feet. He yeah. was absolutely tripping on his own feet. Um, and, and so maybe, man, maybe the pressure. Benfica is a team. It's in a capital city. The pressure, every TV station, every radio station, every new, everybody zooms in on you, and that's it. And it's you 24-7. Some of these guys aren't accustomed to that. And I'm not giving them a pass. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is, Alfredo. As far as the other thing, like you said, I'm trying to be trying to be positive here. But, you know, look, Benfica's not the only team. Benfica's players are not the only players in the locker room that are stressing about COVID. I think every, pretty much every team in the world goes through the same thing. I'm pretty sure everybody has changed their ways. So to use that as an excuse, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Dave, some numbers on this game. Yeah, so uh, with uh, this game here, Portman is uh, scoring right at the end there. Benfica has now uh, conceded 12 goals in their uh, 11 league matches uh, this season. It's their worst defensive record uh, since 2006-2007, where they've uh, conceded 13 uh, through the first 11 uh, league games. Very atypical for uh, one of JJ's teams. But, uh, you know. It is what it is. Let's get that copyrighted. Let's start yeah. making some money off that. Next up, um, next up is Santa Clara. The game takes place uh, Sunday uh, in the Azores uh, Islands, 5 p.m. local. Santa Clara's in seventh. Dave, what else is uh, Santa Clara up to these days? Uh, seventh with 13 points from four wins, one draw, six defeats. Uh, historically, Got a pretty solid record against them. Uh, nine wins, one draw, one loss. But that uh, loss was most uh, recent uh, last season. Uh, 4-3 loss at the Estadio de Luz. And uh, I think that was towards right at the end of uh, Laj's tenure with the, the club, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Not an easy game. Uh, but usually... Say that again? Are they letting fans in? 
I don't, I don't, I don't think so, to, man. I'm just that guy. I know Madeira, but, they try to. Begin. Yeah, but Madeira just reported eight cases of that new, uh, that new variation of COVID, man. There's a new one. Yeah. It's coming from England. <clears throat> so uh, I don't think anything, uh, at least I haven't read anything that fans will be allowed uh, on the field as a matter of, uh, or on the stands. As a matter of fact, I think the, the Portuguese government is putting some uh, measures in place for uh, early shutdown on the 4th, 5th, and 6th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I don't know if the weekend is also uh, about that, but I don't. I haven't read anywhere uh, that there'll be players, um, there'll be fans on the, in the stadium. Um, that chicken pot pie in England, that's disgusting. That, that's really good. They eat that and they start spreading like wildfire. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, not a very um, not an easy game for Benfica. Another another hard game. We just got to keep uh, we just got to keep plugging away. Look, we, we just, just keep plugging away. Contain Alfredo. Forget plugging away. We got to contain this damn virus. Make sure we have enough players. Uh, come game day. That's that's what it's about. At, the, at this rate, with the way that our players are dropping with COVID, we just hope that they've been able to contain it and that it hasn't spread to more players because it can really get ugly. Um, and yeah. not football wise, man, but we want we want the best and the safety for everyone. You know what I'm saying? Not just football results, but this, this is more serious than football at the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. Just a, a couple more brief things. Uh, uh, <clears throat> new coach has been appointed to the to the women's team. Benfica's uh, Lady Eagles. Is that their name? Lady Eagles? I don't think that's their name. Lady Eagles. But yeah, new coach, uh, women, uh, woman, I should say, appointed to that. Also, uh, Renato Paiva is uh, as left Benfica is going to Independiente del, Va del Valle in Ecuador to coach there. Uh, guess who's back, Dave, coaching the B team? It is. Mister, what it, it is. is what it is. That's right. That's right. So, uh, all best of best wishes and best of luck to uh, both uh, new appointed coaches. Um, like I said in the beginning, this is the last podcast of this year of. 2020 and we all uh we all know um how this year has gone and, and certainly hasn't uh, been a, a very good year a uh, year marred with uh with this COVID thing and a lot of people dying and losses COVID related and not so uh, COVID related um certainly um we appreciate everyone that's that's tuned tuned in and and checked us out um i know that we we made an effort to uh to bring you some content during the covid while the the portuguese league was shut down i remember one of the highlights being uh keaton parks when we had keaton parks on uh and people really enjoyed that and some other the content that we put together and we we appreciate uh you guys um sticking with us and 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 being supportive uh, really, from the bottom of our, our hearts, we really, um, we really uh, thankful for that. Uh, for the new year, all we could really ask is that uh, it's a much better year than 2020. Um, that Befica finally snaps out of uh, out of this whole uh, rut that they're that they're in, and 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 certainly uh, getting fans back in the stands and being able to travel would be great. Because uh, I know that uh, myself, Cristiano, and, and Dave, we miss seeing football. We miss visiting Portugal and seeing Benfica live. 
Uh, we don't do it that often, but the times that we do it, uh, we, we cherish it. So um, from, from at least from my part, uh, I wanted to wish everyone a, a happy new year. And I hope that uh, 2021 is, is much better uh, than 2020 was to, to everyone. Um, and that's it. Uh, thank you so much for, for your listenership and, and for your support. Um, and I'll, I'll turn it over to, uh, to the guys, uh, Cristiano. Ah, I think you said it all. I, I want to appreciate I want to thank all you guys for your amazing support. Um, thank you guys for putting up with, with, with my knucklehead sometimes. And what we do here on the podcast, we try to come on here and, and like you guys say all the time, Alfredo, some, uh, what is it? Therapy? What is therapy it? Fit, yeah. Not physical therapy. What is it? Therapy. At, uh, Whatever therapy, such make it. You know what I mean? We come on here and try to have a good time and talk about our beloved Benfica. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that we go into the new year healthy. Everybody, um, you know, takes care of themselves. Their families are nice and safe, and uh, want to be able to meet up with all you guys and stay to lose if if if, if we can at any point. But even if we don't, I want you guys all to be healthy and uh, just keep supporting us. We really appreciate it. Carrega Benfica and JJ, I trust. Things will turn around once the weather comes out, the vaccina comes around. I think the team will pick things up. And, uh, you know, I look forward to coming on here and talking about these uh, these things with you guys. Dave. Chris is just wanting to see JJ in the uh, the muscle shirts at the Estadio uh, de Luz. But, uh, yeah, I did what uh, you say, said uh, earlier there, Alfredo. Um, many times, just speaking for my own self here, many times I've uh, – dreaded just coming on to talk about the crappy performances about Benfica and it doesn't even have to be Benfica related why I'm feeling like that whether it's COVID or how the the team is performing but collectively I think we've all gotten through this these last couple of months here as a group uh, just having car regular conversations like we we've uh, we've grown accustomed to having so um, from what uh, a strange and different type of year that it's uh, that it's been. The, really, the one uh, common thing was every Tuesday nights or every Wednesday nights we'd come on here and shoot the shit for an hour, and that really became uh, our real constant in this uh, very unique 2020. So, all the best uh, to our listeners in uh, 2021, and uh, let's grab some more titles uh, in 2021. Yeah. Next week, we'll be back. We'll recap um, the, the Santa Clara game. We'll look ahead to a uh, very busy, extremely busy January. Uh, I know that Dave had that ready to go, but we kind of uh, run a little bit long. So just uh, again, Happy New Year, everyone. Forza Benfica. And uh, let's let's start the new year the best way possible. Take care, everyone. <laughs>